listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Hey, on this book launch Sunday, it would only make sense for me to teach on the subject, Big Dreams in a Small Town, and that's what I'm going to attempt to do. However, to make this relevant for this body today, I need you to understand it is loosely associated with the book, okay? It's very loosely associated with the book. Um, Though the concept is the same, please understand that the book has a purpose that not everyone in this room will relate to. I get it. There will be nuggets in there. But today, I want to speak to us as a whole, not about growing churches, but about growing us as individuals. Amen? Amen. Can you receive that today? Amen? Amen. So right here, beginning of the year, 2023, there are many people in this room that you have set New Year's resolutions, goals, if you will. you've, You've set them in your heart, in your mind. You've set a goal to do better, to be better, to accomplish something. You've set a goal to exist for a greater purpose or for a greater cause. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe the goal is, is, is something that is, is small, but it's, it's hard to achieve, at least for your life. Maybe, maybe it's something great that without God's help, you're never going to accomplish that. But, but here's what I've realized about goals, is that the problem with goals is that they are often accompanied by guilt. Have you ever noticed that? Usually if you set a goal, somewhere along the way, guilt is, is, is lurking right behind. You, you know, you miss a day at the gym. You, you meant to go. At the beginning of the year, you paid for that new gym membership. You meant to do it. You had good intentions. But you miss a day, and guess what happens? Guilt. It's what happens. You, you can't avoid it. You, you, you eat that donut while dieting. And they put a donut truck between your house and work. And you can't pass by it. And you know what happens when you eat that donut while dieting? Guilt. Or or maybe you eat that extra donut. Like you had one allotted in the the diet, but you couldn't stop at just one. And before you know it, half the box of Krispy Kremes are, are gone. It's not what you set out to do. But it's what happened, and, and, and what follows is guilt. Maybe your, your New Year's resolution, maybe your goal this year was to work less overtime because your family is neglected. Then all of a sudden, you get to the end of the first month, and you realize, I've worked quite a bit of overtime. And what happens is guilt. Guilt comes upon you. And what I don't want to do today is place guilt on your life. That's the last thing that you need. Christ didn't come for us to feel guilty about our lives. He did not come to condemn us, but to save us from our our own. So we've got to understand that this is not about setting goals and, and, and experiencing guilt. What I do want to do is to help you dream again. Because there are some dreamers in this room that you've gone to sleep. Maybe it feels like the dream has died and it's time to brush the cobwebs off of those God-given dreams and let them live again. I want you to listen to how the apostle Peter quoted the prophet Joel from the Old Testament on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. Here's what he says. He said, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
It's time that God's people start calling those things that are not as though they are. It's time that we get the cobwebs off of some of those dreams and we start declaring those things again over our lives because for far too long, we, we've, we've kind of pushed some things to the back burner and, and now you're even questioning if it was of God when the whole time God birthed it within your spirit and it's time for those dreams to awaken again. It's time for dreamers to awaken. It's time for purpose and power to be rebirthed. And it's time that we prophesy once again over our lives. And I declare, church, that the year of 2023 will be a year of dreams coming true. Your dream to work in a better work environment. This is your year. Your dream of a better marriage. This is your year. Your dream of, of having a husband. Your dream of having a wife. Your dream of having children. This is your year, your dream of breaking strongholds and addictions. This is your year, your dream of God using you to make a difference on this planet. This is your year. But here's what happens. With every great move of God, it all begins with a dream. Every time God wants to do something great, what he's going to do is he's going to birth a dream inside one of his servants And that servant has to answer the call and be faithful to walk that dream out. What God wants to do with your family, it begins with a dream. The move of God that you want to see in your children, it will begin with a dream. The the move of God that you want to see transpire in the lives of your grandchildren, it will begin with a dream. The, The move of God in your school, the move of God in your workplace, all of that has to begin with a dream. But the enemy is busy snatching dreams out of the lives of believers. And it's time that we as believers start believing in the dream and more importantly, the dream giver once again. I know firsthand, church, what it's like to dream in less than ideal circumstances. I know what that feels like. During the first year of DCC, there were moments, especially when I was in an office by myself, understanding that I came from a, a, a larger church and, and, and every day there were people just calling my office phone from other offices saying, hey, you want to go to lunch? And now I'm sitting in an office by myself. And I can tell you that there were moments during that first year, especially during those first 11 months, that there were moments when I just thought, God, what, what have I done? Why am I here? Why am I in this podunk town? That's what it felt like sometimes. And I had to come to this understanding that what God wanted to do in my life would not be hindered by the coordinates of where I live, by living in a small town. That was not going to stop what God wanted to do with my life. And and some pastors, they, they, they look at my life and they think that there's no way that they would be stuck here in small town USA. They, they think that, that pastoring in a small town is a curse, like you've been banished to obscurity. And that's what some people think about life. My own pastor, my own pastor, when he announced our, to our church in Tampa that, that I, one of his staff members, that I was going to be leaving, he publicly, publicly said to the whole church, it, it was a slip of tongue, he didn't mean it, but here's what he said, Rocky and Mandy are going to be moving to Mayberry. And he wasn't too far off, right? Don't tell me that you can't impact the world from places that seem insignificant. Because when God starts a move in your life, nothing can stop what God wants to do. Now look at what God has done, church. Look at what God has done. We have a beautiful and growing facility on 20 acres of land at the gateway of our community. 
We have a thriving presence of godly women at our Florida Women's Reception Center campus. We are about to open another campus in Gilchrist County. Just this past year, matter of fact, just last month, 82 children were blessed with Christmas through heaven's presence. And throughout the years, we have, and we've done that since the first Christmas, we have blessed hundreds, if not thousands of children with Christmas. Through Buy a Tree Change of Life, just this past year, we raised $112,118.54. Praise the Lord, $112,118.54 to change the lives of children locally and globally. Over this past year at DCC, we have seen 1,010 souls saved through the ministry of DCC, including 121 children at Vacation Bible School and 655 women at the Florida Women's Reception Center. Would you praise God for that? And all of this happened from a small town in north central Florida. Don't tell me that where you think your life is insignificant that God can't use it. Don't let where you are at in life determine the size of your dream. And no matter how insignificant your current assignment or situation might feel, I dare you to let God birth a dream within you that will change the the trajectory of not only your life, but also the lives of others around you. You can dream big in a small town or in a small place or in a small circumstance. You can dream big. In March of 2021, I preached a series called It's My Destiny. I don't know how many of you are here. More people remember the, uh, the, the hoodies and sweatshirts and t-shirts than they did the sermon. Um, but I specifically preached about Joseph the dreamer during that series and it's available online you can go watch it and, and I do reference Joseph in the book because you can't talk about dreamers and exclude Joseph you have to include him I do not wish to rehash that series today that's not what I'm going to do but what I what, and what I'm about to share with you is not in the book so if you're a note taker this is not in the book don't don't think well I can just skip today taking notes and I can just buy the book this this is for bigger dreams in a small town the sequel okay so <clears throat> I do believe that God wants to speak to someone at the beginning of 2023. And it's time to dream again. Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11. Some of my favorite passages of the Bible. Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11. <clears throat> now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Church, Joseph had a dream. <clears throat> he may not have handled it properly with the way he was blabbing it to everyone and understand this, that not everyone can handle the dream. You have to be careful with who you share the dream with because not everyone is meant to carry that same load with you. 
But nevertheless, it was a God-given dream. It was divinely inspired with what God wanted to do in his life, and God was preparing him to be a ruler in the land of Egypt. Don't tell me, church, that God is not interested in politics. He certainly is, and he will put people in the right position for the right time. And God wanted to use this young man. He wanted to put him in the right place at the right time, but it wasn't the right time, not then. Now, I say all that to tell you this. You need a dream. You need a dream in your life. And for some of you, you have forgotten the dream. God's placed it within you, but it's been so long since you've dreamed, you have forgotten about it. And I'm praying that right now over the next few moments that that dream is rebirthed, that it's re-sparked, that something that I say or something through the word of God this morning will just ignite that small little flame within you and let that dream begin to take a blaze because you need a dream. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, I want to read that to you out of the New Living Translation because there's some interesting uh, terminology here. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. You see, what we need with our dreams is we need divine guidance. That's what a dream, a divinely inspired dream, it is divine guidance. It is God putting his will in your life. It is God saying, here's what I want to accomplish through you. You don't need a New Year's resolution. You don't need a plan. You need God-given, divinely inspired dreams for your life. And since I have preached from the story of Joseph many times today, I want to take a different approach and one that, like I said, is not included in the book, but yet I just feel like God wants you to hear this today. And I want to give you four roadblocks to the dream. Four roadblocks to the dream. The first one is this. Often details block the dream. And I think this is the number one hindrance for most of God's dreamers. I think this, this is, is, is the reason why we give up on so many divinely inspired dreams of what God wants to do in and through our lives is because of the details. Most of us, we like to know where we are going, don't we? I, I mean, b- before we start up the car, we want to know where we're going with, with today's gas prices. Very people just go out on a joy ride anymore. So, so we want to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, what direction we're going. I mean, some of us, we won't even leave until we put it, put it into the navigation system into our car because we want them to tell us or her to tell us or whoever it is that's talking to us and listening to every phone call, whoever she is, we want them to give us the directions. We want to know the details. And what I figured out, church, is on this faith journey, God seldom gives you the details. Because it wouldn't be a step of faith. It wouldn't be walking in faith if God just laid the whole plan out before you. That small group of people that we started DCC with, they could only handle part of the dream at the beginning. To give them the big picture, it would have scared them because it scared me. And, and, and if I would have shared the long-term details with them, think about it. 15 people sitting in a, in a little church building over, over all, all, uh, across the street from the middle school. Just think about it. If I would have shared all of this with them, 20 acres and these facilities and the mortgage that goes with it. If I would have shared that with them, 
And if I would have told them that one day we would be broadcasting live into a prison, if I would have told them that one day we are going to open up another campus in the neighboring county, if I would have shared all of those details, those people would have looked at me like I was crazy because we had 15 people and, and that's it. We had a building and 15 people. We did not have the resources to accomplish all that. And, 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 and if I would have shared that, they, they probably would have left me and, and I would have been stranded by myself. My own family probably would have left me and I'd have been stranded by myself. They could manage one step at a time. So that's what I gave them. God was growing them. And let me tell you this, God was growing me because truthfully, I only had part of the dream. I didn't see all of this because God knows I couldn't handle this. If he would have poured all of this into me at that moment, I would have went running. Though God seldom gives us details of the big picture, he does provide us with the next step. That's how God operates. He, he shows us. He shines a light on our path. He shows us what the next step looks like. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Psalm 17 and 5, My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. Psalm 37 and 23, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. You see, He has the details but you, not, you might not be able to handle all of those details at this point. So all God is requiring out of you right now in order to pursue your dream, God just wants you to have enough faith just to take that next step. That's all it is. Just, just take that next step. He, he's not expecting you to run the marathon. Not yet. All God is calling you to do is just to have enough faith to take the next step because he has directed your steps. Just take the next step. And when the next step is, is unclear, I think I need to, to, to really throw this disclaimer in there. When the next step is unclear, don't move. Just stay put. If you will allow him to, God wants you to hear his voice. He says, my sheep will know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. He wants you to be clear on the circumstances. He wants you to be clear on the next step. And he will reveal it and you will have peace about it. And that's all he's asking you to do. But if God is not shining a light on that next step, if you have no idea which direction to go, don't move. Because maybe when God isn't speaking, maybe he is. And maybe he's telling you to keep your butt still. Number two, adversity often blocks the dream. Adversity often blocks the dream. Joseph, his brothers, they sold him into slavery because of jealousy. They were jealous on how much their father loved him. Let me tell you something. Not everybody is happy with how this church has grown. Not everybody looks at it and thinks, man, I am happy for those people. Not everybody looks at it and thinks, man, that, that is one of the greatest testimonies of God. And sometimes it's family members. His own brothers sold him into slavery. They could not handle the dream that God was giving him, but, but, but they were not going to be a, a, a part of what God wanted them to accomplish. As a matter of fact, the only reason God needed them in the story was to get him into slavery. I don't have time to unpack all that. Then he's in slavery. He's sold to the house of Potiphar. 
And while he's working for Potiphar, a ruler in Egypt, while he's working for Potiphar, he's falsely accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife. We'll come back to that in a few moments. But, but he's falsely accused. Then he is thrown into prison. It's a season of injustice. He didn't deserve it, but yet there he is. He's trapped. And, 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 and nobody has an explanation for this except for you've been falsely accused. Joseph went through 13 years of adversity before the dream became a reality. Now listen, church, I've had to face my own fair share of adversity. I know, I know. And my wife will tell you I am not a words of affirmation guy. It's not that I don't appreciate them. It's just not my love language. Thank God. Because there's been some things that have been said. And probably by the end of the day, you can go on the Newberry Forum and probably find some more things said about me. I don't know. But, but listen... I know, I know that I have faced adversity. We've had people leave because I was not their cup of tea. Maybe I don't teach the way they want me to teach. Maybe I don't uh, 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 study the way they want me to study. Maybe I don't lead the way they want me to lead. And, and I'm not their cup of, uh, cup of tea. But maybe I'm not your cup of tea, but I can still fill the pot and I've got some drip. So that's all that matters, right? <laughs> adversity doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. You see, that's what some people think, and they give up at the first sign of adversity, is because they think when adversity hits that they're outside of God's will. Sometimes you need to understand that when the enemy starts fighting your life and he starts fighting your dream, it's because he doesn't want that to come to pass. And you're giving up, not because God's out of the picture, but because Satan has stepped foot in it. And what you've got to realize is it's time that you put your trust in God and not the adversity that Satan is bringing. James 1, verses 2 through 4, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He said, when the adversity comes, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let me tell you what that tells me. When adversity comes, I'm not perfect and I'm not complete. And God needs to do a work within me. And I may not see it in the moment, but I can promise you on this side of it, I know how God has grown me and I know how God has matured me. And every time I face adversity, I've got to be reminded that it's there for a purpose and it may bring me to spiritual maturity. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Adversity will come. But if you will allow it to, it's going to make you into the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. Because the enemy hates the dreamer and will do whatever it takes to get your eyes off of the dream. Don't let adversity destroy the dream. Number three. Temptation will block the dream. Temptation will block the dream. Scripture tells us that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was handsome in form and appearance. He was a pretty man. That's what, he, was, he was a good-looking guy. Maybe that's why I relate to him so much. I don't know. While, while he was serving in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife took a liking to him. You see, he was younger than Potiphar. He was a good-looking man. He was attractive. And, and she didn't approach it in a subtle way. She just walks up to him one day and she says, lie with me. 
Now, how many of you know she didn't want to just take a nap? (laughs) Joseph responded with integrity, denied her advance, and in a way rebuked her and remained loyal to Potiphar. He said, my master has put me in charge of everything. Why, Why would I betray him? And then he looked at her and says, why are you doing this? But every day she keeps coming to him. And he keeps denying her. He keeps denying her advances. Nope, nope, nope. And one day, the Bible says when no one else was at the house. That's a, that's a rough place to be in right there. When no one else was at the house, she grabs him by the cloak. And she says, lie with me. Joseph did what we all should do when we face temptation. He ran. He took off running. You know, the Bible says that when we face sexual immorality, when we face sexual temptation, the Bible says that we should flee from it. Don't try and battle that. You know, you're not going to sit down and try and talk sense into someone that, that, that finds you attractive or that you find attractive. There's no, there's no reasoning there, church. There's no reasoning. Why even flirt with that? It's a recipe for disaster. What you need to do is you need to get out of Dodge. You need to run as fast as you can because I have seen way too many God-given dreams destroyed by immorality and by temptation. Matthew 26 and 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said, listen, you may want to do what's right inside, but when you are facing temptation, your flesh is weak. Ephesians 4 and 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. You've got to resist it. You've got to resist that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let me tell you, sometimes the way of escaping temptation is just to run, just to get as far away from it as you possibly can. Sometimes you've just got to run from it. Don't flirt with it. Don't buy it a cup of coffee. Don't send Snapchats back and forth. Just run. Just get out of there and leave her or leave him behind. Number four, pride will block the dream. And I feel like that's a, that's a verse for America, right? Pride comes before the fall. I'll let you read into that, whatever you want to. Through a series of events, Joseph was promoted to vice president of Egypt. I'll let you read the book or... Read the book. Second command. And his dream of being a political leader seemed like it was coming to pass. Like this divine dream was now a reality. Pharaoh has put him as second in command over all of Egypt. And it is in this moment that the dream is more vulnerable than ever before. How many mega churches, mega church pastors, and prominent ministries have we seen that they reach this place of success? Success even in the eyes of God. They are providing quality ministry and souls are coming to know Jesus. Listen, don't, 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 don't look down your nose at a mega church. That, that's not the problem. 
It means more and more people are worshiping God, more and more people are hearing God's word, more and more people are, are, are coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. The megachurch is not the problem. It's the pride in the pulpit that becomes the problem. But it's not just in the pulpit. It's also in the people. And pride is going to block some dreams if you're not careful. His dream of being a political leader, it, it, it was coming to pass. And, 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 and in that moment, he is, it's more at risk than ever. Because God does not bless you just so that you can be blessed. Whatever that dream is. If you want to know if your dream is of God. If you want to know that your dream is of God. Check it and filter it through how many people will be blessed by this. Because that's God-given dreams. God's never going to give you a dream that is only going to prosper you and bless you. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing. After Joseph was in power, some time had passed and God had used him in a great way to save the nation of Egypt and the surrounding area from famine. That's why he, he was promoted to the place that he was and and, and God was using him in a great way, but there was a day that his brothers that sold him into slavery showed up. They didn't recognize him. At first, they didn't recognize him, and, and I, I think a little flesh got in the way. He messed with them a little bit. But eventually, he revealed himself to them, and they're scared. They're scared for their lives because they know what they've put this, this guy through. And now he's in a place of power. He's in a place of position. And he looks at them and he says these words that I think everyone in this room, when it comes to your dream, you've got to filter your dream through these words. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He looks at his brothers and Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Here it is, the saving of many lives. That's a God-given dream. That not only now was Joseph blessed, but he was in a place where he could bless others. And he looks at his brothers and he says, I know you were out to destroy me, but what you tried to destroy me with, God took it. God blessed it. And now I'm in a position to where many lives can be saved because God will never give you a dream that benefits only you. God-given dreams will always serve for the greater good of others. God didn't give me a dream of planting a church so that I could have a place to preach and receive a paycheck. That's not why he gave me a dream. God didn't give me a dream so that I could write a book that may or may not sell. That's not what God did when he gave me this dream. God gave us he gave DCC a dream so that lives could be changed for eternity through the ministry of Destiny Community Church. And your story is going to go around the world. And I'm telling you, God is going to use it for the saving of many lives. And what God wants to do in your home, God is going to use it for the saving of many lives. Your marriage will become... A testimony of God's greatness. What God wants to do in your children, even your prodigal sons and daughters, it will be done. That dream of what God wants to accomplish, it will be done for the saving of many lives. What God wants to do in your grandchildren will be for the saving of many lives. What God wants to do in you through your workplace will be for the saving of many lives. What God wants to do through you and your school will be for the saving of many lives. And it's time that God's people brush off the cobwebs and say, you know what? I'm a child of God. And I am ready to be used of God, and I'm going to dream again. 
Father, thank you. Thank you for blessing us the way that you have blessed us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me the way that you have blessed me. It's humbling to think, Lord, that sometimes even the smallest of dreams can reach so many. But the truth is, Lord, it never was my dream. It was your dream, Lord. It never was about me. It was always about Jesus. It was about God's people and an army that you would raise up and that you would draw together for the saving of many lives. God, I thank you for a wonderful church that has answered that call. How blessed are we to serve with one another? How blessed are we that each week, even this ministry reaches outside of these walls and the army continues to grow. But God, all of that is in vain. If there's one person sitting here right now that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. God, all that I've talked about all the success that, that it appears that we have. Lord, if there's one person sitting here that's dead in their sin and they have not received forgiveness, God, it's all in vain. So I commission the Holy Spirit right now to penetrate the hardest of hearts. Let them feel your love right now, Lord. Let them feel your love. Let them feel your Holy Spirit drawing them, pulling them, calling them into the family of God. Don't let them miss this opportunity, Lord. Let them hear you. Let them answer you. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.